and reading from verse number 37, Numbers chapter 15 and 37. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, and that they put on the fringe of the border in a ribbon of blue, and it shall be unto you for a fringe that you may look upon it and remember. Everybody say remember. Remember, remember all the commandments of the Lord. And do them that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which you used to go a whoring, that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Why don't we pray and ask the Lord to help us understand his word this morning. Jesus we feel your presence here, and I know that you have a word for your people this morning. Help us today to hear what you have to say. Apply your words to our life and to remember. Lord, you want us to remember. Remember your commandments. Remember your promises. Remember your word. And remember that you are with us in Jesus' name. You may be seated. <clears throat> the, the Jewish people are, are a fascinating study. The Old Testament, there's so much there. I mean, if you ever do a Bible reading program where they take you through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, it's like, you know, it's like you're starting a marathon and they put you at the, the highest hill right off the top. Genesis is kind of easy. There's lots of fun stories there, interesting things. And Exodus, there's lots of good stories there and it starts to get a little muddy near the end. And then you hit Leviticus and you feel like you're reading a manual on how to assemble a nuclear power plant, and it just does not compute with our Western mind. It does not make sense. And you hit numbers, and oh, it's so painful. So-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so, and it's just this endless line, and, and it's so hard. If you can get past numbers, you hit Deuteronomy, and it's like you're starting to go back downhill again, and from there... It goes back into stories and, and things. And, uh, you know, that first five books of the Bible is like, uh, oh, to get over that little hump. Um, so if, if that's your struggle in reading through the Bible, I suggest you don't start with Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. It's okay for you to start somewhere else. Um, but, but you come across some extremely fascinating and unique things that if you take the time to study them, they make connections throughout the rest of the Bible. And so this morning we read from Numbers, and the Lord tells the Israelites to do a very odd thing. He says, I want you to make fringes on the borders of your garments. And the word fringe there is uh, the Hebrew word tzitzit, and it's a feminine noun signifying a tassel, a lock of something. It was ornamental. It was like a, a thread that was tied to the corners of their their garments, and uh, it, it, was a, it, it was, you know, a series of knots and strings that were tied all together, and, and the tassel was to be attached to the four corners of their clothes. Now, uh, in these days, typically, they, they wore um, simpler garments, um, the, you know, the sleeves and so on were not so much sewed in, uh, per se. It was, 
more robish and garments were, were made in a different fashion and often they did have four corners to them the way they were just put together. Often it was like if you took like a rectangular piece of fabric, you cut a hole in the middle, slipped it over your head, and then you stitched right down the sides. So you'd have four corners uh, of a garment that were stitched together. And, and that, that, that became kind of the pattern uh, of, of how they made clothes, per se. And, and uh, the Jews took it a, a step further. Um, and when the Bible talks about the borders, the, the Hebrew word there is the kanaf. And the kanaf is uh, it's a noun for the word wing. It's like the, uh, the wings of a bird. In fact, the, the word kanaf is used elsewhere in the, in the Hebrew Old, Old Testament scripture. And if you read about the temple, there was the, the, the angels that their wings, their kanaf, would uh, overshadow the, the temple and overshadow the mercy seat. And um, the, the, the seraphim that you find in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 2, these strange creatures that, that uh, fly around the throne of God, six wings, two they fly, two they cover their feet, and two they cover their face. These are their kanaf, the wings that they used. And uh, the Bible uses the word kanaf to describe the way God rescued Israel. He said, God said, I, I carried you on my wings like an eagle. I carried you out of Egypt. It was a symbol of rescue, a symbol of protection. Jesus talked about the kanaf when he said, uh, oh, Israel, he began to mourn over the temple and over the city of Jerusalem. And he said, how I would have gathered you under my kanaf. I would have gathered you under like a hen would gather her chicks under her wings and I would have protected you. It's, it's noted in the book of Psalms, often the word wing, kanaf, is used to describe the protective covering of God as he protected his people. And so the, the Jews began to fabricate a, uh, what they call a tallit. And uh, this was a prayer shawl that the Jews had. And it looks something like this. This is a small version of a tallit. It's, it's not exactly the same size. But they would, they, would, uh, they would use this shawl to pray with. And they would cover themselves with it in a special way and and as you can see on the the there's fringes all the way down but then there's these four corners that have these these special tzitzits or tassels that are unique and special and they look interesting because they are in fact this is going to get a little bit nerdy here this morning if you'll if you'll bear with me um the nerds in the house today men so uh we're good <laughs> uh throw <laughs> no offense my <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I'm a Greek and Hebrew nerd, so I just love it all. Um, so go uh, throw that first picture uh, on the on the screen here. We're going to see the significance of this because, and I'm going somewhere with this, right? You're not just learning a lesson in in uh, Jewish dress or prayer cloths, but there's actually a point to this. If you'll bear with me, this tassel here, uh, as you can see is, is a, a series of knots. There's, there's five knots, and there's four sections where a dark, you can see a dark thread. It's a blue thread, very specific, um, a royal blue. It was, it's actually, a, a, they say it's like a greenish blue, but it has a, uh, like a purplish hue to it. It's very specific. The dye was specific. Everything was very specific about this. And uh, they, they take this blue cord, they take eight threads, eight white threads, because white represents righteousness. 
And and then there was the um, the eighth one was blue, and it was it was tied together. And there was a series of of wrappings. So they would wrap the first one uh, seven times, and then they would make a knot, the second knot, which the five knots represent the five books of the Bible, the Torah, the law of God. In fact, if you remember, the Lord said, I want you to have these tassels on your garment for a purpose. It's not meaningless. It's not just decoration. It's, it's got an, a, a, an intentional value to it. And he says, I want you to do it to remember the commandments of the Lord. So they said, okay, let's do this by making five knots on the tassel. This is our, how we're going to remember. We're going to remember five knots, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Okay, and then, and then uh, with, in between those knots, the Lord, the, the Lord also commanded them in Deuteronomy 6, 4, that, that you should, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that you should talk about this. This should be something you remember, talk about when you wake up, when you go to sleep, when you're walking on the road. So the, you, you're to remember that God is one. And so to do that, they, they, the Hebrew... Alphabet is also their, their number chart. The, the alphabet is also connected to numerical values. Every letter has a number value to it, okay? Uh, and this is, we just have to marry this with our understanding because in, in Western society, we separate numbers and letters, but in Hebrew, they're one. So in Hebrew, the, the first series of, of, of things was the cord, the blue cord was wrapped around seven times and seven is the Hebrew letter Yud, which is represented by our English letter Y. Then the, there was another knot, and the next set of wrappings was wrapped around eight times, and eight represents the, the, the letter He, Yud He. And then the last one, the 11, uh, was uh, the middle one was wrapped around 11 times, and 11 is Vav and He added together. Okay, They realized they couldn't, they had, to, they had to shorten it somehow. They couldn't, you know, do all the numbers. So they had to do like adding and subtracting, ready? So 11 represented V and H. And uh, YHVH is the tetragrammaton or the name of God. And the Jews had removed the vowels from the name of God so that they could spell it without desecrating the name of God. They were very reverent concerning God's name. And YHVH spells Yahweh, or in, as we would say in English, Jehovah. This is the Old Testament name of God. So the, the, the tassel represented the first five books of the Bible, which is the law of God. It represented the name of God. So on the four corners of their garment, at any point in the day when their tassel got caught on something, when they would reach down and feel the tassel, they would remember the laws of God and the name of God. We're the people of the name. And we're the people of the law. We follow the laws of God. We have the name of God on our life. And on top of that, number 13 was the last set of, of, of wrappings. It was wrapped around 13 times. And 13 is the, the letters Aleph, Chet, and Dalet, which spell the word Echad. And Echad is the word one. So the tassels literally said Jehovah is one. The wrappings, that, that's what, that's what the, 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 the tassel meant to them. And the blue thread, so what's the big deal about the blue thread? Well, the blue thread was to remind them that, that the, the, the one God was going to send his Messiah. And Messiah was going to hold all things together. Messiah was going to 
be the water of life. He was the blue to bring the water of life. He was the living word, not just, not just the written word. The written word is represented by the white, but the living word was the representation of the blue and that the living word was going to bind the written word together. He was going to fulfill, bring to pass everything that the written word had to say. The living word was going to bring it about. And this Messiah was going to be a servant signified by the color blue. Later on, clothing styles changed and they, they stopped wearing this shawl-like thing and they made a shirt out of it. If you want to go to the next picture, you can see today modern Jews underneath their clothes will have a tallit on. This is called a tallit, by the way. And there's two kinds of tallit you can purchase. This one's kind of in the middle. Uh, but that, there's the tallit gadol. As you can see, it's the big one, the big tallit. And then there's the, the, the tallit katan. And the tallit katan is the, the one that you can wear under your clothes. A little bit more discreet, a little bit more modern. But it symbolizes the same thing. And as young as three... Orthodox Jews will get a tallit katan for their young boys and teach them, as young as three years old, what this tzitzit means, what this tassel means. It means Jehovah is one. Amen. It means that we're people of the name, we're people of the law, and God is with us wherever we go. We take this to remind us. It did not bring the power of God with them. It was there to remind them that, that God is one and that God was going to one day, they, when they held this blue thread, the Jews still to this day say, Lord, you're going to bring the Messiah. The Messiah is going to come. For them, Messiah has not come yet. But for us, we know Messiah has already come. And what I love about the Jews is, uh, now you can, you can make prayer a ritualistic thing or it can be a beautiful thing. And, and they tend to lean, I know you can go one way or the other, but, but a, a sincere Jew would, would take his tallit in the morning and he would check it, he would inspect it, he would look at the, this is called the crown, this piece here at the front, and they would check it for rips or tears. They would take very good care of it. And if there was a tear in the, in the tassel, they would repair it. They would take the time right then and there. It didn't mean it matter if they had an appointment, if they had somewhere to be, they had to repair their tallit before they left the house. They had to take care of it. And so when they, when they would take this, they would check it, check it for rips and tears. And while they're checking it, they, they say this prayer. And I tried to learn the Hebrew one. You can go on YouTube and learn how to say it in Hebrew. It was kind of fun, but I figured it would just sound very butchered. And so I'm going to say it in English, okay? So this is what they say. My soul blesses the Lord. Lord, my God, you are greatly exalted. You have garbed yourself with majesty and splendor. You enwrap yourself with light as a garment, and you spread the heavens as a curtain. You may recognize this from Psalms 36. They're, they're praying. Psalms is their prayer book. And so they use, as they're checking it, they're praying this prayer. And then they pray the blessing. They say, blessed are you, Lord, our God, king of the universe. You have sanctified us with your commandments. And you command us to enwrap ourselves in the tzitzit. And then they would take it and they would wrap it. And I'm, like I'm butchering it, right? I'm not doing it just like they do it. But they would wrap it. And before they let it touch, they cover themselves and they say, they say, the blessing. How precious is your kindness, O God. The children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. 
be satisfied with the delight of your house, and you will give them to drink from your river. For you, with you is the source of life, and in you we see light. Bestow your kindness upon those who know you and your righteousness on their heart. And then they, they let it drop, and then they pray whatever they want to pray at that particular time. The word talit is the word, really, if you wanted to translate it perfectly in English, it comes out as a covering or little tent. Because the Jews knew that the, the, the tent was the tabernacle, the place where God dwelt, and they would cover themselves with their own little tent, their own little tabernacle. Some scholars believe this is what Jesus referred to when he, when he taught his disciples to pray. He said, enter into your closet to pray. Enter into your secret place, and the Lord who sees you in secret will reward you openly. It, it, it was because they didn't have closets like you do today with a, a door. It, it, Jesus was telling them, go into a private place and get alone with God. Cover yourself with the wings. This is what the wings are. This is because when, you, when they held this out, after they pray, they, they wear this, and they either, like the, the gentleman here, they wear it very out and about, very gadolish, very big, or they, they wear it underneath their clothes, and that's, that's how they go about their day. But all day, every day, they wear their tallit, and they wear it to remember. They hold on to the tassels, and they remember Messiah's coming. They remember the Lord is one. They remember the word of the Lord is pure enlightening the eyes. They remember the things that, that the Lord has taught them. They remember Psalms 91. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty, the shadow. They would hold the shadow. I will declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and in, in Him I trust. He will rescue me from every trap and protect me from deadly disease. He will cover me with His feathers. He will shelter me with his wings. So they would read this and they would hold their tallit out like wings. And remember, God is going to cover me today. God's faithful promises is my armor and my protection. And so we see the tallit as part of the general Jewish dress. But, but it goes further than that. In fact, you can read through the Bible and find stories where the tallit is mentioned or reference to in the text we we come to first samuel chapter 15 and we read about a, a man named saul who was the king of israel and god had given saul many instructions to which saul had blatantly disobeyed and disregarded and even sacrificed without the prophet of god unto the lord he did not wait and so samuel arrives and finds saul sacrificing and he reprimanded Saul, and, and the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, I've removed Saul from the kingship. And so Samuel tells Saul this, God has rejected you as the king of Israel. You are now dethroned. And Samuel turns to leave. Saul tries to repent, tries to say the right words to get the right response. And Samuel just says, no, Saul, I'm sorry, but God has rejected you as the king. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 27, as Samuel turned to go, Saul tried to hold him back and tore the hem of his robe. Saul grabbed his tallit, and Saul ripped the corner 
of the tallit off Samuel's prayer shawl. Now, already you get the sense that this was no ordinary garment. This is something they respected, they took care of. It represented the laws of God, the name of God, the promises of God. It was, it was, it was their prayer. So when they prayed, they wore it. When they, when they talked to God about what they were talking about, they, they covered themselves. They blessed the Lord with it. They worshiped with it. They wore it everywhere. And so when Saul rips the corner of Samuel's tallit, it was a highly disrespectful thing for him to do. In verse 28 of Samuel 15, Samuel turns to him and says, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to another. The same way, Saul, that you ripped my tallit, God is going to rip the kingdom away from you. Later, when David found Saul in the cave, David could have taken the life of Saul. Saul was on the pursuit trying to hunt David down, kill him, pin him to the ground for no good reason. And Saul was there lying asleep in the cave. And it was in the cave that Daniel's men said to him, Here is your opportunity, David. Here is the day in which the Lord has said he would give your enemies into your hands. And so do what seems good to you, David. And David arose and stealthily cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Scholars believe very emphatically, numerous of them agree, that the corner David cut off was the corner of Saul's tallit. Like he had ripped Samuel's, God had ripped the kingdom and given it to another. David, while Saul never repented for ripping the corner of Samuel's robe, David repented for ripping Saul's. You can see the difference in the character. Saul was not repentant for what he did to Samuel's tallit, but David, his heart was overcome with guilt because he realized, I just cut Saul off from all of his prayer. I cut Saul off from his, his connection to the law, his connection to the name, and, and I, I symbolically removed Saul from his place, and, and I was wrong to do that, and David repented for what he did because this was, this, this was an important garment. It was an important thing. Later we come to a, a story about two prophets. One, his name is Elijah. And Elijah is going on through his day and comes across a young man who's plowing with a team of oxen, a man by the name of Elisha. And the Bible says that Elijah found the son of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, 1 Kings 19, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him and he with the 12th. And Elisha passed by him and cast his mantle on him. Elisha took off his tallit and, and put it on the young man and then walked away. This would have been, uh, you know, to us, it's like, what? Thanks for the new coat? You know, you just like. But to the Jew, this was like, whoa, this is the prophet Elijah. He just put his tallit on me. I think that means something. I think that means that he wants me to follow him. So Elisha says, Give me one day. I'm going to say goodbye to my family and I'm going to do my thing and then I'm going to follow you. And Elisha, Elijah said, do what's good to you. And Elisha, right then and there, killed the oxen that he was plowing with, took the, the, the wood that he was using to yoke them together, built an altar, cooked the, the ox there and gave the food to the village and the people nearby. And then left and followed the prophet. He gave up everything. Because one man put a cloth 
on him. The cloth was significant. It was, it was meaningful. There was meaning in what they did, and there was a reason why they did it. Later on in the story, Elijah is taken up by God into heaven. If you want to throw, there's a picture of a, a fiery chariot, and a, it's kind of a, a unique story where God picks the prophet up in a flame of fire, a fiery chariot of angels. And when Elijah went up into the sky, the Bible says that he dropped his mantle. And Bible scholars believe that he dropped his prayer shawl, his tallit, down to Elisha. And when Elisha found the tallit on the ground, he took up the tallit, the Bible says in 2 Kings 2, and he folded it up and he smote the waters of the river and said, where is the God of Elijah? And the Bible says that the river parted. A miracle took place. And the river parted. And the prophets, the young prophets that were there, looked at Elijah and said, man, the spirit of Elijah is on Elisha. The spirit of his prayer. The spirit of his demeanor, his attitude. It, it was more than just, oh, Elisha is wearing Elijah's tallit. No, he, he transmitted something to him in his day. The, the tallit was important. We, we keep going in the scripture. We read about a young lady named Ruth. Ruth is a foreigner to Israel. She comes to Israel with her mother-in-law, Naomi. Naomi was so distraught. She had lost her husband, her two sons in Moab and was bitter now. And so she said, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara because I'm bitter. The Lord has dealt me bitterly. And so she's now back in Israel and, and the harvest is back. The famine has dissipated and Ruth is a Moabitess. She's foreigner and she is looked down upon by society. She's looked down upon by everybody. There's no hope really for Ruth in this current time in Israel, even though there should have been, but there wasn't. And, and, and Ruth finds herself in the fields gleaning under a man by the name of Boaz. Boaz, who was a kind and generous man who, who gave freely of his crops to Naomi, who was his relative. And, and uh, he made such an impression on Ruth that she went back and told her mother-in-law. And her mother-in-law says, Ruth, this is what you do. Boaz is your kinsman redeemer. He is your family member. He's the one who can take you in under his wing. He could marry you because he's single and, and your, your husband was his cousin. And so he is legally uh, uh, allowed to redeem you as a wife because otherwise she would go the rest of her life a widow and not taken care of. And so this is what you do, Ruth. You go and you lay at his feet. Don't lay by his side because that would be presumptuous. But lay at his feet when he's at the threshing floor tonight. And, and, and just lay there. And when he wakes up, say these things. Say, spread your wing over your servant. Spread your wings over your servant. In other words, Ruth was saying, I want to be covered by your tallit. To say spread your wings was a direct reference to the tallit, the wings. That when they extended their tallit in prayer or over their family, they were to cover like a hen would gather chicks under their wing and, and, and guard and protect. It was a, it was a sign of covering. It, the, the only way a man would cover a woman was if 
he were his wife. Covered by his prayer. Covered by his authority. Covered by his protection. Covered by his God. And Ruth says to Boaz, she says, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And it was a beautiful story. And in fact, this cloth is so significant to them that often it is used as a, a covering over their marriage. When the, the husband and the wife get married, the, 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 the corners of the garment are extended onto four poles and held above them as they are married. They're married with this. And then when they're buried with this, this becomes their, their shroud, the cloth that their bodies are wrapped in. They're buried in their prayer cloth. So you see from the time that they're three years old until they are old, they carry this garment with them. It symbolizes so much because it's meant to remind them of who God is. It's meant to remind them of who they are. It's meant to remind them of their walk and relationship with him. Now we get to the New Testament and we find that Jesus talks about the tallit a few times. In Matthew 23, Jesus referenced the Pharisees. The Pharisees were religious leaders who were, who were very bent on, on displaying their religiousness. They, they were the ones that came up with the tallit gadol. They came up with the big one. You know, the one that kind of flew in the wind and... And was very big and very wide and very all-encompassing. And so uh, the, Jesus said, practice whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. They practice, do what they say, do what they teach, because what they teach is right. But what they practice, don't do it, because they crush people with their unbearable religious demands. And they never lift a finger to ease the burden. In verse 5, he says, everything they do is for show. Look at their prayer boxes. See, they would put little boxes, little prayers in a box and tie them to their forehead and their arms. And Jesus said, look at, look at their prayer boxes. They make them extra wide, extra big to make them really pronounced. And, and they wear their, their robes with extra long tassels. Maybe they didn't try to do the short form version, but they added all the wrappings and knots and everything to make them extra big and extra long and and these tassels that hung down would would actually drag the ground they were so long jesus says they do this to make themselves look super spiritual in fact in mark 7 jesus said uh, 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 he quoted the prophet isaiah he said these people honor me with their lips they kiss their tallit you saw me do that when i was you know, putting it on. They, they kiss the tallit. And Jesus says, they, they honor me with their lips. They kiss their prayer shawl. They honor God. They honor his law. They honor his name as they put it on whenever they pray. But their heart is far from it. They have the trappings of spirituality. They have the tallit with the, the tassels and the, the writings and the numbers and the significance of the blue cloth and the white cloth. And they, they, they remember this and they quote it and they, they, they do all the things. They cover themselves, they, they, they moan and they groan and they, they, they pray and they shake and they do all their spiritual trappings, but their heart is removed. They do all the religious stuff, but their heart is far from me. Now, Jesus wasn't preaching against using something like this. In fact, it's, it's good to use 
things to remember. In fact, Jesus wore a tallit uh, very religiously. He was very dedicated in his, in his, uh, right into his very death because the Bible says when he died, the soldiers parted his garments. That doesn't mean they cut it up and they, 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 they uh, you know, divided it naturally. They divided it by item. And so one of the garments that they did not, they didn't divide, but they parted was the tallit. And they cast lots for the garments. Who was going to get this? Who was going to get that? And there was four garments. The tallit, the seamless robe, probably his sandals, and maybe another uh, a, a shawl or something that went over top, maybe a bag. Or, but there was definitely enough pieces for the tallit to be included in it when he died. But probably my favorite story in the Bible that references the tallit and its significance is found in Luke chapter 8. The Bible says there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. This woman, unclear exactly what she had, but it was definitely an issue of blood. It was a bleeding problem that was there for many, many years. 12 years, and she had spent everything looking for a cure. This issue of blood caused her to be ceremonial unclean. So for 12 years, she was not allowed to participate in any festival. For 12 years, she was not allowed to uh, have a, a, a relationship with her husband because that would make him unclean. For 12 years, it made her unable to pray saints, uh, in, in the regular way in the temple. She had to do things vicariously as it was permitted by those who were ceremonially unclean. And with every doctor visit, it cost her more money. With every treatment, she thought, maybe this will be the year. Maybe this will be the treatment. Maybe this will be the remedy that will bring my healing about. And she got to the place where she was desperate. The Bible says this woman who had a discharge, Matthew records it like this. He says, she came up from behind Jesus and she touched the fringe of his garment specifically mentions the word fringe. She literally reached out and grabbed the thing that was most accessible, and that was the tallit. She grabbed a hold of the corner of the tallit. She grabbed the fringe of the tallit. She grabbed a hold of it and because she said within herself, if I can only touch his garment, I will be made well. The Jews were made to study and memorize large portions of the Old Testament. And so it's no doubt that in her mind, she remembered, because this is all about remembrance. She remembered something that the prophet Malachi said in Malachi 4 verse 2. He said, but those who fear my name, the son of righteousness, will rise with healing in his wings. And she remembered that verse and she said, I've tried the doctors and I've tried the physicians and I've tried the treatments, but if I could only touch his wings, if I could reach out and grab a hold of the hem of his garment, it's kind of weird, you know, if you look at it from a Western, someone grabbing onto the hem of your pant leg, it doesn't have much significance. It's kind of odd and, 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 and weird, but when you read it through the lens of the scripture and through the lens of the eyes of a Jew, it makes perfect sense. She was reaching out for the name of Jehovah is one. She was reaching out for that blue cord, the one who gives the river of life. 
the one who is the Messiah that binds all things together and the one whose name is inscribed on the very tassel itself because Jesus literally is in Hebrew Jehovah is our salvation she recognized who he was she recognized what he was wearing she recognized that every time he healed somebody he was wearing this tallit she recognized that every time he was preaching he was wearing his tallit every time he prayed to the father he was wearing his tallit and so she said to herself if the messiah is this man and if it is what the mount what malachi says it was that the messiah would rise with healing in his wings all I have to do is touch the hem of his garment. All I have to do is touch the fringe. I don't have to get a hold of the whole thing. I don't even have to stop the procession. He can keep on walking. He can go about his business because the, 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 the prophet said that healing would be in his wings. And so she reached out and she touched him. Was magic in his tallit? Was there something magical about this garment? No, I'm sorry to say there's not. It, this is just a cloth. This may be from Israel. It may be a, a really nice thing and it might, it might have some, some good things to remember you by, but remember by, but, but it's just a piece of cloth. There's nothing significant about this piece of cloth specifically because when Jesus turned around, he said, somebody touched me. Some, I felt virtue leave me. And when he found who she was, she said, it was me, Lord. I touched you and now I am immediately been healed. The flow has stopped. And Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith is what made you whole. It wasn't the tallit, sweetheart. It wasn't anything special about this cloth. I, I don't have to make it extra long for people to touch so that they can get healed. There is nothing specific about this. You read the word, you had faith in the word, and you acted on the word, and it was your faith that made you whole. It was your faith. It wasn't the cloth. It was your faith in me. It was in your faith in my word that brought healing in your life. And this wasn't the last time. Matthew 14, verse 35. When the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to the region and brought him all who were sick. And they implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it, were made well. There was nothing special about this garment, but there was something special about their faith. There was something special about what they believed and that they affixed their faith to something physical. We do this all the time. We say, if you're sick, come up and we'll lay hands on you and pray. There, I'm, uh, you can read all kinds of you know, spiritual things that say there's one, someone's spirit is transferred to someone else when they lay hands. That's not in the Bible. That's not what the Bible says. But there is a connection in our brain. Our, our physical, our bodies are physical. So God does things to help us connect the things that are unseen to the things that are seen. And so it's not me laying hands on you that brings a healing to your body. It's just the fact that somebody's praying for you and you feel the touch of them touching you. And your brain somehow can make the connection from the leap, from the, from the natural to the supernatural. It's the bridge. This is just a bridge to help you remember, to help you remind you what something spiritual that's actually important, the name of God, the word of God, the promises of God. I can hold on. You can hold on to this tassel. I can 
can hold on to the law. You can hold on to this. I can hold on to his name. I can hold on to who he is. I can hold on to what he said. If this is real, then his word is real. I can make the bridge from the natural to the supernatural when I remember what the Lord has said. Can we stand this morning? Thank you, Jesus. If somebody has a need here this morning, if somebody has something, it's not anything, this, I, I'm not, if you want to go buy your own tallit and use it when you pray, that'll be awesome. It's a nice little piece of memory for you, something to remember, something for you to reference to, but you don't need this to get a miracle. You, you don't need this to get a touch from God. Jesus said it was your faith that made the connection. It's your faith that made you whole. It's your faith that's going to carry you through. And so this morning, we're going to take time to pray in faith for our kids.